Welcome to the 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast, a retrospective. Hey folks, Brennan here. Thanks for tuning in to our 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you want to reach out or follow us, we're on Facebook and YouTube as 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch as 25 Years of VTM, and on our website at 25yearsofvtm.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Everybody, welcome to an exciting podcast for V5. I know now and again we get uh, V5 books coming out and uh, we want to roll into them and get into them, hopefully. Uh, before you know, Help you guys make that decision yes to get or no to get or develop conversation around these books and how to use them. See if we even need to pick these up a lot of times. And I think as fans, you know, hopefully we, we serve that niche because that's obviously our intent with a lot of these reviews is whether to backlog add to your collector's edition or hear how we use them or the reviews about them and see what you think. And this is no different. We're talking about Forbidden Religions. And uh, this book just came out for, uh, for V5 itself. And I got to say, this book is pretty exciting uh, for, for a lot of the content. And I feel that uh, fans have been waiting almost in bated breath for a lot of it. And a lot of speculation. I know yours truly had some questions that weren't answered, and it was great to see that this is uh, this developed something. We got something for it um, down the road. And accompanying me today, we have, of course, DJ. Hello, everyone. And Nick. Aloha. And guys, I do appreciate. I know it came on sh- on short notice, and YouTube are like, yeah, regardless, guys, they got full work schedules, the whole nine back to front, and and didn't want to miss out on being on this, and they definitely went through and. Uh, I like to say you gave full tilt for it, and I appreciate that. Um, Brennan, yeah. I cried Brennan real his, tears for you. Real tears. <laughs> Brennan, <laughs> Brennan did as well. We give him an honorable mention, uh, but he got pulled for overtime for work tonight. He had no choice, and we got to get this out. Hopefully, you guys be hearing this. Uh, you will hear it right when it rolls out and editing will be done. So without further ado, we're going to get to this. Um, we told you that with the review, though, we're going to help you guys get a focus of the review to hear what we're driving towards when we go through. And we had a couple questions. Uh, that we were kind of keeping the back of our head as we went through the, this book. And question number one is, what is the difference between Cult of the Blood Gods and Forbidden Religions? Another question is, why are these cults considered forbidden? Why are there so many cults in V5? And does the demonic infernal occult still have a place in V5? These questions and more, we wanted to crack the book and definitely got these out before we started reading the book so we can give you some genuine feedback, feed forward. As to what our take was on it. Um, But we're just going to get to it. And starting off a little out of order. If you're following along in the Forbidden Religions book. um, We're starting with the fact that this book. um, Oh yeah. Typically we explain this. I'll get into that. Um, The direction of the book itself is split up into like four sections. And they give a nice lovely pitch for what the sections are about. However, we're going to sum it up as we go through to our version of it. Uh, The first section I have in here is basically the most popular story seeds. That have yet to be told. This is going to be your updates on those uh, special secret cults that we're used to seeing that were updated in Becca Shahad Diary a little bit and hinted at. And then V5 hit and we didn't hear anything. We didn't know if they were included, what happened to them, where they went. That's that first section. Then you have the Gehenna cults, which is more lovely. Uh, excuse me, not Gehenna cults, the... Golconda. Golconda, thank you. That's yeah, the term yeah. I was missing my head. Golconda cults that they have in there, <laughs> which is unique. I know we're used to some crappy, here's a book about Gokanda and they never explain. 
like mm-hmm. how you might go down it or don't worry, Gokanda's out there for you. But then there's nothing to direct you to. Here's a whole book about Gokanda and a lady praying in the front. Kind of tell you how to do it, but you may never get there. Good luck. Wah, wah. You know how it is. And it's not that the book is crappy, but you always, as us as fans, we were always looking for a how-to and what effects of. Everybody's always looking for that content. And it just felt like we never got into it. Well, they take care of that here. I'll let you know that up front. There is, there is some good content to bite into it. Grain of salt. It's not going to be hardcore canon rules of how to do it. But it will be some interesting takes and plot hooks on how one can go about it or present it. Uh, then, of course, we have the what I would like to call the really forbidden. Those, those cults that gotta go. Right, they're in here. Now, those are the last ones in here. I'm skipping the Gehenna cult on accident <laughs> because to me, a Gehenna cult's like a dime a dozen. I right. feel that, uh, you know... Go ahead, Nick. Nah, I was agreeing with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I feel the Gehenna cults are... Uh, they're one of the most common that you run into, right? They're, they show up, time of thin blood, you know, the, 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 the red star. You know, all sorts of things that, that mean something, that are supposed to end things but never quite do. We're used to seeing those. But I gotta tell you, you're not prepared for these that are in here. They hit you right in the chops and they do a good job of holding your interest at the very least. So I will, I will say this much. And the culmination of, I'll leave them with all the hyperbole and, and nice, fine, polished way to pitch those sections. It's kind of our take on them and what we got from it. And uh, we're going to start off the bat with one of the, the popular section, the first one. I know it's going to be popular because in there it has the Withered Ones. Now, what are the Withered Ones, DJ? The Withered Ones are a cult of Nosferatu who have, for one reason or another, and we'll explain the one reason or another very shortly, decided that Nituku, which we've heard about before, are the way to go. Why? Because our secret masters at one point are not only coming after us to eat our souls, but what if, just, you know, just take a moment to say to yourself, you know, it's a crazy idea out there, what if we just fed it more of our kin and it might turn a blind eye to us? And if we're really fortunate, <laughs> just really, really fortunate, they might even, you know, just kind of make us one of them. How off the wall batty <laughs> is that? But it's awesome. At the, but you know what I'm saying? How crazy is it to have that mentality? But yet it works. I, it it kind of fits into into Nosferatu right off the bat. Just the skittish nature of them. And be like, well, all right. Um, if, if I'm last, I'll get you whatever you want. Whatever you want. You, you name it. There's, there's a lot to go with that, right? Uh, the Niktuku were thrown in as a, as a bloodline. I had to double check this. They were thrown in as a bloodline Dark Ages, right? They had to go there, too. And they had them out there to do a dance, you know. And in my head, when I saw this section, I was like, wait a second. Baba Yaga went on this spiel of making a boatload of children mm-hmm. out near her. And they leave you with the assumption that story that it might have been the combat at Basimilard, the clan founder. But it ends up being a Niktuku that comes for her. Is what happens. Remember that little girl that looked like a little girl or made itself look like a little girl and it wasn't? And Baba Yaga's, like, powerless to stop it. And if Baba Yaga was power, powerless to stop it, and it eats her anyway, well, was that a Niktuku? Was that the Antediluvian? Well, which one is more unbelievable to you to believe? So, in my eyes, the way it was written, it was a Niktuku. That's just what they do. They go around and they eat those who, you know, that's it. And in her and pulls her card. However, if you remember back in Shahadar, you talk about a cavern filled with Nosferatu. That were all her children that the Iron Hag had, had might have done in herself. During that regard, that leaves you believing, what if she was a Niktuku? 
And then you see the, the clan that they land in the Dark Ages, but wait a second, they're still around and it's a cult? It's a cult that officially is there to do what they do, but wait a second, now you're looking at the V5 update and the Withered Ones. This psychotic need to have this cult, you can't shake it. It keeps moving around. And something you touched on, the skittish nature of Nosferatu, that they're afraid there's something out in the dark, this fear is what they say makes this cult. Mm. And, and yep. this cult is, is, well, I gotta say it's really cool. I thought I would be just raining all sort of evil down on it because, you gotta remember, I'm a fan of when uh, they first mentioned the Niktuku out of that first, uh, first creation clan book. And they kind of dropped that dime on them and that's out there and exists. And then they included it in some novel and, and whatnot and you saw it play around a bit. And I fell in love with the concept that Epicimilard's a hunter. That's what he got embraced for, but he was a hunter that was narcissistic. He gets the mark and blah, blah, blah. But how did his descendants turn into these just soft information brokers that just, I'm afraid and I am not an animal. Like every Nosferatu seems to enjoy being like self-whipped. And then kept down below, I am not your equal above, but below I am king, you know, sort of mentality. It was like, that's, uh, that's not the hunter I'm thinking of. And if you look at their, their ability to, the, the feed, how they do it, like to me, that's something far more scary and terrifying. I never know if you're there. You stalk my very footsteps. It could be when, right when I'm about to sleep, you yank me out of my bed with such a frightening strength I couldn't possibly scream out. And nothing could stop you in the process as you feed on me. That would terrify me more than you're coming at me with a keyboard. You know, and some deadly rumors. And it was like, hmm. Well, I could see a place for both of them, right? There's enough material written on them both. And before you're like, oh man, we love our Warrens. We hate that you do that, Bob. I'm sitting here just pointing out that there have been a lot more PC-friendly, ST-safe Warrens, Kumbaya, where the downtrodden stick together, we watch our own, and they've been there. But haven't you always wondered why they built underground? Mm-hmm. I know I, I did. I didn't wonder. It, it flat out said they're they're in hiding. But they're there in hiding. The Niktuku are, and the elders sort of believe it. But the sensible kindred, which is the majority of the clan, eh, whatever. If they really existed, we would know something of it. And that's why we created that NOS info information network in the first place. It's to know, know the signs and know where they're coming. You saw in the New York book. They didn't know it was a Zemisi Antediluvian down below. They thought it was a Niktuku. Right. It, it, and it would just make sense, right? Nobody says watch out for secret Antediluvians in your Warrens. <laughs> <laughs> but now, none of that says the Withered Ones. So what do the Withered Ones do? I think it's important to note, they have a mass culture that's in here. And it's the much, I'm going to tell you a little bit about that because I think that's what should draw you to look into them further. Agreed. And, and it's the fact that to be a member of the Withered One, it's to have this fear... It's to seek them out, and it's to know they have a belief that, well, quite frankly, we'll be the last to be killed at the very least. If we go around and start killing all the Nosferatu, the Niktuku will pass us by. If we're doing our task, they don't need to step in and get us. They might come in and clean out the rest of the Nosferatu, but they'll leave until all the Nosferatu on Earth are gone, and then come back for us. And at least we extend our life by hunting our own, and it's, it's twisted logic. Not only that, they permanently affix these masks on their face in a type of crazy ritual rite that you could read about. Uh, definitely heroin to undergo, but then it's to be emulating one of the Niktuku. And what they interpret from the legends and stories they've heard, they must look like. So it's not good enough to have the countenance that the Nosferatu bear and are cursed with in the first place. 
now we're putting these ritual masks on. What's interesting about that, we talk about masks a lot in Vampire the Masquerade. In V5, it definitely can get into that too. Your humanity and the beast, that's sort of the two masks we all have to wear. You know, one is, they're both us, but one more than the other, right? Now, here these guys are wearing a mask because they're afraid. They have great fear, but suddenly they put these masks <laughs> on, they become that which they fear. So in a way, they're not even themselves anymore. I was about to say, because it also shows the disassociation of their kin. It's like them at that point making that delineation that as I have the mask on, I am now the hunter. And that you are other. You are not my kinsman. You are not part of my bloodline. And this is what makes me superior and worthy of being able to hunt you down by comparison. Because I am not a coward. I am not what they are. Granted, reality, yes, you are a coward. But it's a psychological effect, as you were mentioning. Like that straight out disassociation between themselves and other Nosferatu. I found that probably the, the key lynch point of what makes them I'm really scary. glad that you guys are here. Because it doesn't explicitly say that, and I thought that was an opportunity they missed. Um, and to see that both of you are on the same plane. I, I would have liked to have seen a ritual in here where they <clears> don <throat> the mask and literally become the madness they're trying to hide from. In, instead of just like kind of a temporary thing, almost like a like a weird uh, like blood um, madness they go through and embody the very being and, and go out and do these hunts. You know, embodying the Niktuku in in spirit more than just a kind of like a in a, in some kind of Halloween costume. You know. Yeah, yeah. Could be a lot of fun, and uh, that's just that that's just one. That's the update of them. Um, obviously, we're not going to get into the politics of how to use them and what to go in. That's in the book, and hopefully, you can see already places to use and why that might be well forbidden. We'll say. Um, Next up, we have the Shattered Spear. Uh, Nick, uh, why don't you take that one? So the Shattered Spear rounds down to uh, Artemis of, of Sparta is where it comes from. And, and these people venerate everything she stood for, um, for hunting. The, the, the reason that she, she decided to lead the march on Carthage when she was against the, the Diabolists and the Infernalists and, and everything that Carthage stood for and she took the spear and led the vanguard. That's what these people are about. They found remnants of that spear. And also, they believe they found the body of that Methuselah as well, you know, under, under the city. And, and they venerate that particularly, almost in a way of a, of a cultish thing. They have to have a very particular bloodline. And through that bloodline... They uh, they receive their 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 orders, I guess, to uh, to kind of protect and and seek these things out. Almost kind of reminds me of uh, of Menelae in there's a slight a, way. There's there's, right? there's a lot of things here that this that this cult kind of. Well, well, I'm gonna say it got me to go what like like a lot of times it got me to do that. Like number one, let's talk about Artemis Orithia, the Ventru who uh, helped. Lycurgus make the Lycurgus reforms. She influenced it. She didn't control it. She didn't order it created. It's more or less Lycurgus helped uh, the creation of it because she learned a lesson from the other venture, if you remember. The grand story in the Venture clan book about how it was better to influence than it was to try to control was a lesson learned from the Second City, thus verifying their right to rulership is to understand to influence mortals 
not to control them. Do it from the back, right? Do it from the hidden part. And that's that's what you do. And so Sparta was its own thing, but they were honoring the fact that Sparta is its own thing in that statement, right? So this differs. This is where you can get where this cult's kind of kind of full of shit, right? You said Artemis Orthea took the field. The vanguard led the charge on Carthage. I want to think about that for a second. Yeah, it was Rome who led the charge on Carthage. <laughs> it wasn't you, lady. Like, first and foremost, they didn't wait till nightfall to hit Carthage. Nobody <laughs> fought war on that scale. But you're over Now's here saying, our time. <laughs> right. But you're over here saying you did not. Nah, we know these things are false, but this is a cult we're talking about. Don't fall in that trap that I did, where I put on my shield to defend all things historical and try to look at that in a way. But gotta remember, it's fictitious too. Just because you know the Venture clan book and they have a story about their involvement there. And everyone knows that Carthage was filled with Diabolus and the Infernal, right? Unless you talk to those who were there. Right? <laughs> it's interesting. So what was the real deal? We may never know. Be a great book to have uh, and have that come out with. But we don't have that book. We have this. And what they're saying is, is that the Ventru needed to create an order. An order of warriors that honored and respected their elders that served as the martial arm for the Ventru in the V5 Knights, because they don't have one. Their elders have left. There's no reason for supremacy now to be its own sake, i.e., there is no badass Ventru elder to come in kicking in a door and command the legions to obey. The, the Ventru have to make something to have there. And strangely, the answer is this cult, because they support the Camarilla. They work within the Camarilla, and they hunt down two things. Diabolus and Infernalus. But One that, might say that, hand in hand. That brings up the big question, though. Why is this a forbidden religion? Would this be a boon to any domain ever? Ah, oh, we just get rid of the very worst things. Oh, and you work with us because you have a code of honor? Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I like this idea. Well, it's <clears> forbidden, <throat> number one, because the Ventru having a martial group and the Camarilla would be against what the Camarilla is trying to do now. If they have a, a lockstep army that now serves the Camarilla they're bringing in that's exclusively Ventru, that's a tyranny. That's forming vampiric Roman legions uh, to defend whatever the hell they decide is theirs and what they have. And they can't do that in the open. They have to do that in secret so nobody else gets wind of it. Right, it won't do. Think about what they have here. They mentioned the Agoge. Right, that process that Spartan uh, uh, men went underwent at age seven to be given over to the to the soldier camp to undergo all the warrior rights to make them badass Spartans, and they do it separate from their family, come out born again hard badasses. The Venture clan co-opted that as to be the process of teaching their children. Right, the same thing. You're with your sire under your own agoge, and and you undergo all things Venture to come out perfect. Wonder where that came from. That would be Artemis Orthea and how well she did with Spartans, right? That's clearly where it came from. They're called Jerosha, the board of elders that guide the Ventru in the, in the Ventru clan in a lot of places. That's their personal jargon that they use to represent those elders. Well, those elders are answering the beckoning now. They're disappearing. They're going away. So they bring it back, right? They bring back the Agoge and hold it to a tradition. They bring back the Jerosha and hold it to a tradition. That's what the Shattered Spear does. But if the other clans figured it out, right, this is what you're doing, they'd either emulate it and do their own thing to a, like basically it would be fractured, a fractured front, and they're trying to make an established cohesive one. 
That's what the Banu Akim are. If you think of the addition of the Lasabra and the Banu Akim, it's to answer the, the, the leaving of the Gangrel clan and the betrayal of the Bruja clan. Yep. They need to replace and refill, and the Venture are tired. It made sense to me to have this. They're sick and tired of having to go, oh, we have your oath that you won't betray the Camrell and stand for Tedix? Yes, all right. Rawr, we're done. Antediluvians are real. We're leaving. Gangrel, calm down. We, we knew this, and so did you. Like, we always were aware, just one Methuselah, and you're, you're shaking to your cord. It wasn't a Methuselah. You weren't there. Cry me a river? Isn't Karsh the baddest of the bad walking? Yeah, I don't hear you crying that he could kill you in droves. That's why we hired him. He's the warlord. <laughs> right? And it's like, well, no, we all leave now. All right, whatever. And they get over mm-hmm. it. But, but if you're the venture, don't you make some pocket aces? Welcome to the pocket ace cult. Right? That's the, that's the cool thing about them, to do what is needed as they need to. Which makes it pretty dope, right? Um, the big thing I had about it when you read this, was there bad blood for you in thinking about the fact that there's a big correlation between them and some of the other clans that had served in a martial bent? There were, there were two things that the name of the clan we're about to go into next in a different capacity. And it's the Banu Hakim. Back in the day, they hunted down Bali and Infernalists. That's yep. all they did in the city, and they did it in, in secret. Yep. Back in the day, did they not have a loyalty of sorts to the Camarilla? Yeah, they used hype and fear in the Dark Ages, but they kind of played ball because the Masquerade actually protected mortals, which was a big thing they wanted. And so they were only coming after those who didn't fall in line with this mentality that were being abusive as vampires. Strangely, why is that different now? And why are we adding these guys to kind of load that gun, so to speak? I had to guess we may see the children of, uh, excuse me, the Banu Akim gone at some point, right? You're, you're backing up, a, a, you know, you're filling in that gap of the changing of the guard. Blasphemy! Maybe <laughs> their traditional role is gone. I can agree with you 100%. Otherwise, you know, what we're about to go into, why would it even exist? Well, but, you know, it, the. Uh, let's hope. But you do have these people that are filling the traditional role that you would see from, uh, well, Dark Ages, we'll say, the uh, um, the Salubri. And, and here, you know, in modern nights, the Asimites would do that, or Banu Hakim when we transition up to V5. But that's all kind of been shattered with the new meta. So now it's a, it's a different world, and we do have to kind of bring that back a little bit. Because we can't just have these people running around everywhere doing horrible things <laughs> and then and then we can because the shepherds of virtual gi exist right <laughs> so the yeah. shepherds of virtual gi are the kind of the balm on the wound for those who felt that the banu akim were kind of what is this um another name for the banu akim just to catch everybody up on my my page here is that they all they are is the schismatics if you remember mm-hmm. from revised back in the day they updated the jargon so you can have a clear distinction easier to pronounce. Got to remember, the, uh, the Ashira, you know, they, they were different, right? They were Middle Eastern vampires, agreeing to community in their own sense of Muslim faith, typically, is yep. what they followed in the Middle East. They were still separate from the children of Hakim. Now, with the schismatics around, you couldn't keep walking around talking about schismatics and then say, well, actually, you know, the schismatics of the children of Hakim, that's a mouthful. That's a lot to say. However, they found out that uh, good old uh, Banu... Uh, means children of in Arabic. So it just made sense to call them Banu Akim. And, that's, and that works, right? 
but you can call it for the entire clan if you so choose, but I use a distinction. I use the new form, Banu Akim, to explain the ones that are with the Ashira and the Camarilla, and I still use Children of Akim to describe the defunct ones, like the ones of the loyalists, you, you might call them. That's what their name was loyalists. back in the day. And yeah. they're the ones who are now the shepherds of Urshulgi. Right? They're going to go into another transition. This is what your children of Hakim have become, is the shepherds of Urshulgi. I actually approve of it because it's a, at least a distinction. It's different. They don't mean the same thing and they're completely different. And you can see them. But there is still a faction they don't get into. And that's the dispossessed. There were always a third group that sat back and they didn't agree with either half. And they were still loyal to the mountain. They were waiting for Hakim to come back and set his house straight. Which was the point. Even with Urshulgi waking up. And Urshulgi had no problem with them. Because they still obeyed Hakim. And they didn't allow mortal religion to suddenly replace Hakim. Which is the problem of the clan at all. The shepherds of Urshulgi have uh, with yep. the Banhu Hakim now. To make this make even more sense. If you consider him waking up. He woke up with these baby religions around, that being Christianity-based, the children of the book, if you will, and there were actual children of Hakim who were following it and saying that God was greater than Hakim. And Tereshulgi was confused. You mean Hakim is God, do you not? And then they, they couldn't say that because God is God, right? There, there is no God before God but God. And they would, circular talk like that gets you killed in Suge Knight's court. That's, how, that's what happens. <laughs> I call Tereshulgi Suge Knight. That's just how it goes. It's how he rules it. And he's like, I can't have this. And he turns around and says, I need 12 disciples. Where are you cats at? All these elders left, but I didn't leave. Why? The beckoning. I'm going to hit you with that one right in the head right now. Urshulgi doesn't feel the beckoning. Why is that? There, there is no explanation. Right? Doesn't say he felt the beckoning and left. Urshulgi left distinctly after he set his house in order and said, look. I don't know who the... We, we're in a schisma. We're in a... Excuse me, a schism. We're having a religious disagreement. There is no disagreement. I am the eldest. By the laws of Hakim, I am the eldest, and I set what the house is until Hakim's return. You all know this. And every Banu Hakim or not nodded their head and went, that's true. Well, if that's true, screw Islam. Screw Christianity. Those things are out. That is out. That's not our teachings. If you're going to keep that, that we will reclaim the heart's blood that made you what you are. Because you are now betraying Hakim's ways. And they're like, well, we got this Camarilla now. You can't just come get us. And he says, oh, is that so? Well, I'm on the mountain. We'll see about that. I think you know how this goes. And to the Banu Hakim, they talked to Ashir. And Ashir were like, yeah, you're willing to support us. We get it. We told you guys you were bad news when you were up on your mountain before. It was too much. Too secluded. Too much sun, right? <laughs> Whatever you want to call it, it's going to go mm -hmm. bad. Then they came over. But what I like about this is the Shepherds of Urshulgi, they kind of condensed down in one book, this book, really all the stuff you need to know to play a Shepherd of Urshulgi. Or Banu Hakim. They still have the laws of Hakim written in here. Damn near verbatim. It's exactly what you need to follow to still be in the footsteps of your founder, if you like. Yep. And whether you're Banu Hakim or Urshulgi followers, whatever you want, you can still do that. So that's cool. The other thing that's interesting is that we got to remember what the Banu Hakim are for. They're ST-acceptable concept users. What that means is you can play the Banu Hakim and you know what you belong to and you're not going to be a super elder or a super diabolist. There's no need for you to do that because it's assumed that with your touchstones and you follow humanity and you're here to help the Camarilla and you belong to the Camarilla now, that you're not going to do those things because that would throw you in a bad light or in, and in trouble. In other words, you're under Lex Talionis. Just like anybody else, 
you've accepted the yoke. However, I am miffed about one thing in here. As cool as this is, right? This gives you a whole way to look at it. You got 12, 12 people who who should be picked to help spread yep. the love yep. to either drag Bonnie Joaquin back to the mountain where they could reclaim their heart's blood or Diablo in the field if they won't go or whatever you got to do. But this is also for them to recruit, right? They actually decided let's move from a bloodline now to do what all the other clans did and let's yoke our strength because if we have a portion of the clan leaving, well, let's replace these jokers and get the real deal back in here. Which, honestly, that's why it's a forbidden religion here. We don't need this religion. It's bad news for us, and we've known that. It's like sifting the good guys from the bad guys. And that's effectively what it does. But it doesn't answer one question. Tagirius. Right? Tagirius and the, what is it, the other elder... Um, I can't remember his name, but the one that revealed himself to be Bali that was in the Asmite Ante, or at least Bali Affiliate or Bali Apostate. What's his face? The one who was the prince who was thousands of years old, who tricked him? The name escapes me. I don't know. Um, talking about uh, that thrice damned guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't yeah. remember his name, though. Azim? Azim Urbal? Azim Urbal. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Oh, there yeah. it is. yeah. <laughs> doesn't mention those guys, and it definitely doesn't put that pitch out there to tell you the fate of uh, Tariq the Silent. Now, why it's important, you got to remember, Zemer Ball should have shook the clan to its core. We know when he disappeared, why would he not go to Alamut? Wouldn't that be where he went? And then I sat there and went, uh, there's a story we read recently out of a V5 book that talks about the horrors that were inflicted on Alamut, and suddenly Urshulgi grabbed him and his adherence and bounced. Nothing left in Alamut now. Nobody's home. Where did they go? That's the question. I was like, hmm, there's better be a story down the road I'm looking for for Azim and Urshug, Urshug Knight. Because did Shug Knight come mm. home or, or was awake and Azim Rabal came up and said, hey, Shug, we do for that meeting. Oh, yeah, let's go. Before they figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they exit stage left because that, that's how it works, right? Look at Tupac, man. Shug Knight did that too. Anyway, um, so... <laughs> but the, <laughs> I just tried to bounce right past it like it was nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but the other one, I see ya. you have Tagirius, who's a Methuselah. Would he not feel the beckoning, and isn't that worth noting? Right? The beckoning would have made sense for him to feel and go, unless Diablo seems to be the thing. Right? However, if you look at Chicago by night, can't be the thing. Right? We have Critias, who's sitting back, not feeling the thing. Yeah. He's still there. Helen of Troy is still in that book, and she ain't feeling the thing. So it's like, all right, what what is the beckoning then, and where is the consistency? And that's the thing that gets confusing. What is the beckoning at that point? However, hold that thought. We finally have one answer. Tariq the Silent. To me, pound for pound, Children of the Night did him justice. The kind of update explained him, you know, Dejua getting his fate met, the tiger that can't be captured, the man in the red list, the one who survived since the beginning, who did not take a knee. We all love that, right? No one takes a knee. Game of Thrones made that a saying, but we know that Tariq is the original real deal. His love for Hakim is absolute, and he will not bend. Did he go back to Urshulgi and meet that fateful end because he was also a religious fanatic? Or did finally he see the light and realize that Hakim was the only way to go, which is what Children of the Night seemed to reveal? That he was he was a loyalist loyalist and that doesn't that doesn't fit. There's all sorts, man. Thetmus of Alamut, the caliph, what happened to him? Right? We know that his child is still wreaking havoc on behalf of the Asherah. Mm-hmm. Right? Over there in a war. Why would Thetmus permit that? Or why would he still be alive? Would he go to Batford? Did he not? There's still a lot of unanswered questions because these are named people in canon. 
And I want to tell everybody, I'm catching a pattern. Let me see if you guys agree. We're really doing away with those named elders, is what, it, what I feel is going on. They're just sort of wiping their hands and dusting them off and forgetting about them. And is that a mistake? I think if they were doing away with named elders, we wouldn't have seen them in Chicago by night. Unless that's like the one notable exception. And it kind of seems to be, right? Mithras just poof out of nowhere. But even in London by night, we still have like Queen Anne. And uh, and what's his name? Uh, crotchety old Seneschal guy. Roger Camden, right? Like they're still mm-hmm. they're still banging around in there. Um, I I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I I geez, it feels like it's too early to tell for me. I think so too. I don't think it's a mistake. I think it's more of a consolidation of keeping your stronger characters to the forefront and allowing your players to breathe a little bit easy. Or that's exactly the reason. But we know that was the case where too much meta in the background, too many people hovering over you there's no way to advance up because you'll always be down so maybe it's there right Although, or, or bob just naming like half a dozen asamites that you know most people at your larp can't you know listen uh, we know i feel Tariq is just waiting Tariq already know <laughs> the story Tariq, that dude is what i say what i what i resided in uh, understanding is the fact that there is a focus where they wanted to be on the youth and that's what's going on. Chicago by night, why you have its elders there is because the city was the focus. And they're there in there and something had to stick. And to that end, don't authors have a right to put what they consider their favorite plots in there? And then we the fans just go, oh man, wish, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Write your own book. Right. That's what I feel that we got a lot going on here of that. Is that some are being cut and some are just, we didn't like those too much and blah, blah, blah. But what it also does though is it gives a feel for the fan. And, and I, this is something I couldn't answer if I've been asked of that question and more. Which is, do you feel the fans should weigh more than what an author decides they want to write about, considering this is a fan interest-generated field that we're in? And I found that a profound question. Where does that go? Should the fans control the content in the book, or should it be the authors who feel that the, the canon should go a certain way? Because My initial reaction on that, I'll, I'll let you finish. Because the problem is, and the number one problem, is the fact that a lot of people are saying when they get these books... They're expecting answers, and they get more questions you choose. Which, if you know adults, adults hate that. Yep. Don't give mm-hmm. me more options when I'm looking for an answer. It either is a thing or it isn't a thing, and we want to stand on the thing it is. Now, if you're telling us that you can't make a decision because you don't want to make a bad one, get out the business. That's my honest opinion. Get out the business. Mm. you gotta, you got to mm. trudge forward. you got to pick a path and stick to it and hope it hits. That's what they did since the 90s, since the inception of this whole product line is that that's what it generated. It was either it's a hit, or we didn't get that book, but we'll get the others. Because it didn't mm-hmm. seem that you pissed off a fan for a bad book. It just seemed that, all right, so Mexico City by Night's the classic crazy book, and Diablo <laughs> Mexico's the other crazy one. And we know there's some stuff that's a little out there, but it seems to me those are also loved bad books. Right. People, people still bought them. Folks yeah. still got into them. People so still talk what? about them at length on, on subreddits. So why are we, you know, now in this era of, you know, you choose, you know, who would win? What's next? It's like, come on. <laughs> but we must understand the era we're in. And you got to remember, it's, it's a grain of salt because it is hard for a company to make a sound decision moving forward when there's such harsh critique and anger from the fans who buy the book and they didn't get their way. And so and you, fast and so, so hard. And you can't please everybody. 
it does create a fear. Just fruit for thought. So if you're wondering why that is, you know, it's at least, I'll tell you, it's 12 people. Not bad, considering it was only over a three-month period. But it was 12 people. Strangely, the end of last year was one to be vocal about that. That's why I wanted to uh, just let out the, to let that in, because it is a good thought. It's a profound one. And um, with that, if you guys are done, I'm ready to go to the next one. Yeah. I actually have something to say about the Shepherd to Roshogi, though. And I think it's interesting because why is it considered a forbidden religion? Especially when we knew back in the day this was the standard. They the drink standard. people. Well, yeah, there, that's one. It's definitely that. And I think that's exactly it. It's it's the perception of, you know, it almost makes you wonder, is it forbidden because it's objectively bad? Or is it forbidden because you're looking at it from the eyes of a Camarilla slash a Shira Banoakim? Or as a player who's coming into V5 who isn't used to it? Because what also counters it and makes you give get food for thought is... They don't ever state the laws of Hakim when they introduce the Banu Hakim in the Camarilla book. And yet they do here. And if this is such a forbidden and or crazy religion, what's the first tenet? It's take care of the mortals. Yeah, you don't have to follow their religion, but you, you rever them to understand. They are the children of Seth. Your job is to protect them. And there are certain rules and structures that are the way that their phrase is in any way, shape, or form. It's a code of ethics. It's better than any moral code there was because this is what it is. But... It's forbidden for obvious reasons. I think it's obvious in the sense that I'm looking at it through a Camarilla or I'm looking at it through that humane eye to go. They're that much more harder and you can't live up to it. Or maybe it's just that much scarier to look at it. I, I think that's what caught me as the, the, the distinction between both. Because why else would you add the laws of Hakeem here just to give like a little poke in the side of like, they're not all that bad or are they? Remember what I said, that, mm. that the actual creation of, of a digestible clan that a storyteller won't refuse a player playing is what was necessary to make this realized. And you need to have mm. a distinction, but you can't get rid of the flavor that made them what it is. So now you have the Banu Akim that you're going to make in a city, and you're supposed to play that wet behind the ears, we don't know the story of our elders and how they operate, but we're here now. We went through, like, maybe a seven-month training to be embraced and now at the feet of our... Well, honestly, none of that. We don't get any cool, clever titles to be here. We're Banu Akim, and that's my sire, and we're the, we're the ones permitting the Camarilla. But we've seen them do this before. Remember the Asmanti Tribune and the Sabbat? They formed the Black Hand. They literally created the Black Hand for the Sabbat, and that was their entrance fee to belong to the Sabbat, because they refused to take a knee. They were the unconquered, right? Only Tariq the Silent, and no, two, three people, Tariq the Silent and two others who didn't make it, stood against everybody. Waiting for Akeem to come back. The rest went to the Sabbat. And with that said, that's where your distinction comes in. Because the Asmanti Tribute got tricked by Azimur Ball. He's the one who came in and thought of this super death cult they can make within the Sabbat. And make them very successful at hunting, quote-unquote, quote the enemies. Until the time was right to betray even the Sabbat. Leave and do what you're going to do. And then it took all the elders and returned to Urshul Gi, right? That was the idea. Which is why I said, where the hell did Azimur Ball go? That seems to be a tale that needs to be there. However... Forbidden? Well, yeah. You're a Persian death cult, but not mm -hmm. to just any old mortal. Right? You gotta remember, Alama took very very good care of the Hashishim, which were which is where you get the term assassin anyway. Right? The Hashishim, where they even yeah. thought of this clan, Nick cracked that nut uh, a while ago and just pointing it out, and I often overlooked it, because it's like, no one's really gonna care that far, except I think it is very relevant. Did you see uh, they to... brought it up in here? They did, because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because cause the name, and that's why I cracked up. I was like, well, now we'll just say it. Right? The Hashishin are here, and they had a castle in Alamut, and this, this cult existed. Yep. It's where Assassin came from. 
So if you're wondering if alone, is that story true that alone Nosferatu found element? Or did we always know where the original element was? And alone <laughs> Nosferatu was the scout, the canary in the mine that got caught and done in. And then everybody came and said, aha, we know where you live or else. Right? That, that was the thing. Because you got to remember, Eagle's Nest, the famed element's the one place everyone feared an antediluvian truly did walk. That's the idea, because they were so fanatical and such a small group. Now, forbidden, because the last time we let the Banu Akeem run free, what did they do? They were, they that, were just... That's exactly it, because once they did run free, they were, they were a problem. They, they were a problem, a scourge to anyone of, of reasonable power, and, and God forbid you let your beast get a hold of you in any way, shape, or form. Uh, guess who came knocking immediately? It was always the Banu Hakim who showed up on your door. They're the ones who had the capability and generally the profit to backside it as well because right. who doesn't have a bunch of enemies? And then, you know, so that's, they are, they're a huge problem because you can't control them. They run themselves the way they've always ran themselves by their own rules. Every once in a while, you can form a contract with them to do something. But all you're really doing is paying them to change where on the list your name is. That's it. That's... That's precisely <laughs> profound, Nick. Because that's what I think the Banu Akim are doing even now. To Girius as a vizier, I think his plan to join the Camarilla was to stop a second attempt to put them under the shackle. I really do. And I think it gives a home to the schismatics, right? You want to come here, be safe, that's fine. But I'm still a Methuselah who came from Alamut, and this is a ploy. I'll marry your Victoria Ash. That makes it cemented. We're here. The Ashir are coming <laughs> along with it. Absolutely. Thank you for your annoying angel. And we're, and we're here, great, now, great, move, go over there, do your thing. Well, I got, I got business to do. I also got Urshul Gita answered too, and I don't know how this is going to work out, but they don't tell you how it works out, <laughs> right? Or that he got the call, and you don't know. They also, like like you pointed out, there were no laws of Hakeem for the Banu Hakeem to follow. It was, you're in the Camarilla, we got traditions. Okay, we'll do those. Yep. A little too easy, I think. In a clan that's known mm -hmm. for infiltration, come on. It's an easy thing to think. Maybe they did heal that rift. Maybe it is going on, but... However, we know it's not. Right? As good a theory we're going to say that is, here are the shepherds of Virtual Gee. And they're pulling them to bring them back. You know, that's, that's where the tale of, you know, just, we're already here. Alashrad. Alashrad did the dispossessed act. He, but he talked to his sire, which is Urshul Gee, and said, hey, I'm going to go out here, take my demon in my one arm and my weird-ass gem that allows me to do all that, <laughs> and uh, you're the most powerful wizard in the world that makes me the second most powerful. Thank God that target's off my back now that you're up. And I'm going to go like Kane and Kung Fu and walk to Earth. And no one's going to stop me because I'll just smoke them. But uh, you have a nice life. And Urshul Gee was like, straight. I'll see you later. All right. <laughs> and, and to me, Alistair is just another name for Snoop Dogg. Right? Because you got Shug Knight. You got Tupac, but it was Jamal. It didn't work out, Jamal. So, you know, that's how it goes. And then you have, you know, now, now, now you're dealing with who you got. And they don't ever talk about him either. And to me, that's a powerful character to have in there as well. Um, yep. it's, it's a great character. I don't think we're done here with them. I think this is just like the stepping stone to like keep up. This is enough to, Bob, shut up, drink your juice. This will tide you over until the rest is coming. All right. Right. Hold my hand in the air because there's a lot of good, good that should be coming out of us. And remember, they gave us that beautiful setup. We read out of the Sabat book how they're terrified. Why? They were spying an element and that whole place disappeared. And there's black hoof marks in the ceiling. And they don't know what the hell that means. But we do know. Didn't Urzimero Ball go back to the mountain? He's also a Bali. Right? Did that mean they fight? Or did that mean they were like, yeah, come on. Let's 
let's go figure out what it is. Because Urshulgi promised to come back twice as powerful. That he did. That's, that's an interesting point to put in there. But again, is that just what the cult says? Well, we know not. Why? Because we know in canon, Urshulgi's real. We also know he did wake up. We also know that he cleaned house and straightened it out. But they've had no problem putting in the beckoning grabbed him before. The beckoning is sort of like the, the mulligan, as you said, Nick, that pulls those elders we don't want to handle telling a big old story with and yanking them to the side. Now you get yep. a cult. Clearly there's a plan. We'll see how that plan unfolds. I'd say sit tight, but this is enough to give you an idea of the opposing factions and still have that cool pull if you want it. And, uh, or ignore it. The next one to get into is a long overdue uh, update, I feel, since they mentioned uh, the, well, the Tremere. And we have the the Presidium. Is that the pronouncement, Nick? Close enough. Close enough? It's probably right on. I, 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 didn't I was about it. to say, this guy's like, <laughs> he's gaslighting you, <laughs> Hey, folks. DJ here. I just want to take some time to talk about Werewolf the Apocalypse Retaliations by Flyles Games. This soon-to-launch game is brought to you by the same team that's bringing you Vampire the Masquerade Chapters. And they just released a trailer to go along with it. We at 25 invite you to check it out at Werewolf the Apocalypse dash retaliation.com to catch a peek at the trailer and be updated of when it'll appear on kickstarter which seems to be early 2022 the game promises to have everything that made chapters endearing to us the fans including scenarios investigations beautiful miniatures and more with that thanks for your time now back to the show uh so so dj let's uh let's let's talk a bit the presidium we know the Tremere base but what else are they they are they're the ones that couldn't let go of the past they are the ones that want to bring back the power of what happened back at the primary, uh, at the, the Chantry Prime, so to speak. They are the militant arm that has to bring back everything that is Tremere, especially under who they believe would be their next leader in the form of Merlinda. Um, but what makes them awkward is that there is, you know, why it makes it a cult is because there's no room for them in this current world. So they have to compete. They, they're the Tremere that want to stay relevant at this moment in time. Because now with the Banu Hakim coming in, what are the Tremere useful for? Didn't your Chantry fall in the first place? All that power, all these guys pop up. And now they become the ones that are taking on, interestingly and oddly enough, blood contracts. Showing them that they still have the might to be the Tremere that they were before? Question marks? I think, I think you're selling them short, sir. I like to call them the Old Guard. Yep. They're what should oh, they stay. Definitely... <laughs> They're the old guard, right? They're the ones you saw from Sioras back in the day. We were knuckling down. Right. The Zemis were coming to kill us. All the clans were coming to kill us. We didn't belong to no one, nowhere, no how. And so we were holding it down. We had people like Gorchurks dumping out that good good in militant ways to smoke our enemies from afar and up close. We had people who were studying around the clock to figure out what whoop-ass is able to do with a twinkling of our fingers and a, and a wink of the eye. Right? That's, that's what these guys are. But they're a return to the fact that we're now back in the mines. And what that means is, we're not settling for the Tremere Wuss Warlocks waiting for lightning in the right storm. We want people yes. who can break a neck. Yes! And get to the magic afterward, right? We want people... Now's that time! We want Mike Tyson, who's going to be here with the Merlin power to hold down the clan. And we see that that can be realized now, that it couldn't before, because you have weak sauce cult members, like the House mm -hmm. of Karna, Garbage, get rid of them. There's a, there's the other one with too many vowels in its name. Garbage, get rid of it. You know, <laughs> we don't need that nonsense. That's what they're saying. We're going to shore up and be that chantry that you can't take down, and they espouse no one's taking a chantry that we've guarded. 
and they often speculate if we were there at the Prime Chantry, you'd still have a Council of Seven. Is how it is. I really like these guys. I really think they make a lot of sense. You tried it your way. You're genteel, yep. backstabbing, cunning, wheeling and dealing in secret, nonsense, undirected, bullshit way of making us vulnerable, of leaving openings. Now you don't trade our secrets. You do that, you get your card pulled. Now you don't sit there and do nothing in a chantry while, ah, boo-hoo, so-and-so gets all the Roman wood and I get passed up and just have this pegboard to operate my rituals on. Yep. It's, nah, yep. fit foe. You, you know why it's it like, is. You, you know exactly why it is because there was a time when the Tremere were awesome. There was a time when you really wanted to play Tremere and it was called the War of Omens and we haven't seen Tremere of the like since. You haven't. And it's interesting. It took them making this cult book to throw it in here for even us to espouse that it was possible. And, and that's because, honestly, joke as you like, the fedora-wearing, cane-sword-wielding imagery <laughs> that's gone around for, for Clan Shmere, you would think a Marshall Benton was always the goal. Well, it isn't. However, it is. A lot of those guys felt that teaming up together, keeping it secluded, you know, the number seven meant something, almost ritualistic, we emulate the Council of Seven. My hat's off, my fedora's off to those players. You yep. single-handedly obviously had been doing something right to be considered presidium. You didn't have the willingness to let others into your clan, and maybe you shouldn't have. But there should be Tremere who don't agree with the presidium, and that's the majority now. Yep. Who exist, mm -hmm. right? Do your own thing. We can talk now. We're not as cloistered. The cup's over. There is no more Council of Seven. However, these guys believe it is. There is a council still. It's just they're fragmented. Now, let's back up why they feel that way. One, it was a drone strike, we know, that the Second Inquisition used to hit that Chantry, the Prime Chantry. Folks, I'm going to point out the obvious to you. We know that there's a dozen and a half rituals that could be done in a Chantry to keep it hidden and keep influence from even touching it, where mortals can't even look at it. Yes, it would work on drones. These people made technomancy, for God's sake. We can pretty much assume that the Prime Chantry had an unlock of what to do. However, somehow the Second Inquisition came in and did it. So that means either one of two things, and I like to think it's the first one I'm going to pitch at you right now. It makes more sense that the mighty Council of Seven got together and said, we can't do this anymore. Why? We're vulnerable. I don't think they met in Prime Chantry, because number one, the Council of Seven didn't sit in a room as council members. That is the most ridiculous thing I think people, I've ever heard people even mention to me. Or maybe it's just a thing unmentioned, but I'm like, they covered regions of the world, is what the Tremere did. That council was assigned places. I even think Merlinda got North America, which is why these people emulate her and are looking for her. Mm -hmm. It's because she wasn't at the Prime Chantry when it was hit. Right? It makes sense. They have solid ground to say, nah, that's not what happened. She ain't dead. Now, did they kill a member? Well, that's what they're saying. That It's possible they did. But maybe one of their own can step up and rekindle what they have. But I think the Council of Seven realized that in the modern era with drones in the Second Inquisition, they cannot be going around calling themselves the Council of Seven and have to become something else. In order to do that, they have to train their clan to do without. We have been forcing them to dance to our tune for a long time. And we need a most versatile clan that are children of the modern, that can dance around these, these times that are now being chaotic as it gets, with an infusion of youth to best understand how to deploy these resources. And these are canny archmages from back in the day that figured out a way to take their immortality. I would really hope some solar-celled drone strike 
wasn't the, oh man, centuries we've lived through werewolves and Methuselahs and blood cults and death gods and the whole nine. And wouldn't you know it, the one day I didn't set my alarm. <laughs> Stayed a little too long at the Prime Chantry checking out my next library book. And, uh, well, who knew it would be when we all got together and no one knew that someone would leak the end. You see what I'm saying? Which is more believable? Listen, and Bob, nobody expects the second Inquisition. Nobody. Wow. Right? It's that simple. <laughs> okay. But this is a hint that they created something that says, ah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. And we won't know until they roll it out. Right? That's what mm-hmm. it is at the end of the day. Or whatever you choose to do ahead of time. I'm a fan of do ahead of time. Do a story that makes more sense to you. If you want to put the whole council in one room and smoke them because you have players that like to come up with a different idea, great. Presidium can still exist in that world. Because yeah. they don't know if they're right or wrong, which is one of the reasons why I like them. They just know. Doesn't matter. They're... They just know this is the way. Yep. Which makes them a great addition uh, to, the, to the series here. We're going to roll on into uh, the Children of Salvation. I, uh... Ah, oh, this is hard. All right, so the Children of Salvation, uh, I'm going to tell you this because it's, like it's like a pitch. I always like to think if we're going to join, when I read these, these cults, like or these books, like I would join this cult, what are they pitching to me? And the Children of Salvation believe to diabolize the essence of all kindred into one kindred, thus trapping the quote-unquote demonic essence of vampire kind that will then automatically banish it from the earth and everyone's human again. And they will achieve this euphoric state of, well, being human again. It's technically Golconda, but is it? Like, part of Golconda was to be human again and dance off in the sunset. But I love, I love the story of this. Right? Some it, wackadoo Malk. Well, says, what? Yeah, yeah, some wackadoo <laughs> Malk sits around and basically goes, I figured it out. All this doom and gloom, I figured it out. All we are are a fragment of demonic essence sits in us. And we got to get rid of it. And I think I, th- I got to figure out how to do it. I got to do this. So they run yeah. around. It, it, you know where that comes from, right? Be- because he's got this this weird theory that that somehow when 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 Cain slew Abel, he was uh, he opened himself up to a demon of hunger. And ever since then, he's just been passing it down the line. Every everybody is just possessed by a demon of hunger. I'm not even trying to to pitch that ball. I'll let you read that again. Uh, there's, there's, there's a more eloquent way they put it. Like, cause some of you want to be true believers. Did you say Malkavian? <gasps> they brought him back. <clears throat> what I want to put down here is not all Malkavians are bad, but this might be why they get a bad rep, right? This idea is spontaneously just self-destructive as it gets. That you believe, well, he is the father of murder, and it is a demon that tricked him. Like, hold on, did you forget that God said, give me a sacrifice? And so God just, what, watched the demon walk up and say, hey, Cain, yo, man, forget what God said. I'm over here, and I'll give you these 12 watches down low on a cheap, cheap. They're all Rolex, son. Just drop Abel like a bad habit. Make me that badass cabbage child you got with the kale in it. I'm on my keto. These watches are yours. We'll walk off, man, and we, ain't, we don't even need God. Watch. Watch what happened. And he did it. Oh, what do you know? Now my demonic essence goes everywhere, and every vampire in the clan venture now has a Rolex they don't talk about. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's not how that should go, right? But more importantly, that's kind of what she's saying, right? Minus the joke, it's like she's uh, you know, cool. I had this vision, but that's the important thing. A Malkavian has a vision from the from the she can't reconcile killing. That's what this comes from. 
Clearly it comes from a place of profound guilt. Looking to justify why the vampire has to feed on blood, which inevitably kills something or someone. And Mm -hmm. is growing used to the fact she has to do it and is looking for a way to come out of it. And what happens is it makes sense she had to do it if she's well religious. And this religious belief leads to the fact that, wait a minute, demonic essence. Now it makes perfect sense. But there's a way to get rid of it. And I, and I forget, it was something, I think, with the number. I thought it was seven people she went through and killed. Uh, right? Here, I'll, I'll explain she, this to you. This is called what, what they do. Because, um, you know, it's, the board part is you gotta, you got to bring in that essence to you, right? So, you know, you diabolize people. That's how you do it. You accumulate the most uh, hungry, hungry hippo balls by eating more and more people. But well, I get it's that, not but enough. before that, but before that, it's like, how did she get the vision of how to do it? Do you remember that? DJ no, I don't. So, it, her vision essentially was, since it was closer to Cain, it's less, it's more distilled the potency of the vampire. So when she first diablerized her first vampire, she's like, I got it now. So, the stronger and or more potent the blood is, that's where I could capture most of the demon to be able to banish it. But how am I going to get it by? She's like, alright, we gotta do the bait and switch. I need smaller fish to keep eating up this essence to then feed another vampire who will then coalesce this essence and compress it to then feed another vampire. And if I could keep doing that and straining it, I'm going to get that good, good essence and then be able to banish all them demons in the process of doing but, so. But it's it's not enough, right? Because obviously they tried the ritual. It didn't work. Well, and there's only one reason it didn't work. I didn't have enough marbles from the hippo pool. Right. right? Just no, need to get more true. of them. So... You get enough people together, and and suddenly, you know, they're all drinking souls because you've got people who are interested in the way of this. But it's not enough. You've got too many of them, and now you've got to find a way to conglomerate those souls into one person. They have a ritual in here called the Salvation's Hunt, right? The Children's Salvation, their hunt. What they do is once you get above seven members, uh, however many, it, it suddenly the uh, the leader cast this ritual and what happens is from the bottom up they start getting power hungry and they want to attack the other clan members or the other cult you members. have a polite way to put it they get power hungry you mean she the first child gives them a letter <laughs> that says okay we're eating um we're gonna eat dj that's who's on the menu you're getting first crack we haven't told anybody else happy hunting yep. right and then as word gets around, they start bolstering up, and then it becomes like this mad chaos through the city of all these cult members attacking each other, trying to be the one who gets... It's a Malkavian quickening, is really what happens here. It's the quickening. It, 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 yeah, it is. The Malkavian, it's a Malkavian version of the week of nightmares, is Because what it is. at the end of it, there can be only one, and then yes. that person then casts a ritual and says, Is it good enough now? And no, no, it isn't. So then they go off to the next city and start recruiting more acolytes. From one. Yep. You move on. Because only one of you is going to live at the end of that. And if ever they hear about another person, another of the the first child in some other city, they go at it like gangbusters because somebody got away. It is a interesting, interesting cult, right? Um, we'll let you choose. Uh, that's uh, but the, by the way, that's Golconda. I don't know if you know that. It's Golconda. <laughs> but so we, we missed one part, right? The whole effort of this is 
if you aided in this wild hunt and you weren't the last child left, that last child that now becomes the first child gets to say whoever else survived without us actually catching them became mortal. And that is the goal. If the goal is sir, hope that you survive the hunger. Sir, game. sir, don't lose don't lose sight of it. You gotta remember this is pivotal. The only reason they become right. human is because the first child banishes the demonic spirit. Oh, of course. I mean, that's yep. that's obvious. I right, <laughs> didn't catch it the first time. Such a Malkavian we, idea. We call this the hook. <laughs> we call this. It's a Diopolis cult with a hook. It is, is what it is, right? Oh, Whoever, the delusion. The delusion makes it a forbidden religion. You you gotta know why this is forbidden. We we skip uh, this. We Let's don't move even on. have to ask. That don't even gotta be a reason, right? Here's some honorable mentions, though. We got some other cults, right? We have the butterflies, aka the cult of Karen. <laughs> as i call it that's what it is basically it, they believe they're gonna hit gokanda through we're gonna do this real simple if i act like a mortal be like a mortal watch tv shows like a mortal care about mortal stuff get involved in mortal politics and social things and mortal food dancing clothing and just be a mortal's mortal's mortal eventually i'll wake up with gokanda why we said one of our founders did it and moved on by the way i'm the ghoul that carries on her good name and she walked into the sunset you know that's what she did. She was human, so she can't belong to us anymore, guys. Sorry, but she left me in charge with all the stuff, all the cars and the fancy things. Why? Because she's like 80 years old and a vampire, and I stole all her shit. Okay? She's <laughs> dead and gone and dumb, and I took all her stuff, and you guys are dumb. I mean, you're great people, but I'm going to die, obviously. I'm a ghoul of 80 years. You know how it goes. I mean, oh, don't worry, Bob. You're pretty cool. I also like the idea of being mortal, not losing my stuff and retaining all that human good good. Here you go. That's them. That's the butterflies. You can read it yep. and get your story. You want to tell me I'm wrong, feel free, but I feel the writing on the wall, and that's another <laughs> forbidden. Next one, we're going to speed past. I'm trying to get these guys into some good content past here. Uh, more good content. Not that this isn't good, but I beer these are mentioned. I want you something to read still. You got the Aramites, otherwise known as Saints on Pillars. If you were looking <laughs> for... Uh, do we have something about Buddha? Do we, do we have something related to, to a guy going high, a guy or girl going high in the mountains and becoming a guru? We sure do. They're called the Aramites. But there's a caveat. These people are very creepy and very cool because they reach Golconda by being aesthetic, aesthetic and getting rid of everything. Vows of nothing. Going completely naked. They have a picture of this in the book. Walking off in the wilderness. Insights and wisdom they got to come back with and convince their cult that they are truly wise. And then... They go somewhere remote and climb a pillar and sit there until they hit Gokanda. Yep. Yeah, let's sink in. How do they feed? What do they do? It's called a cult. This is also why it's forbidden. It's a big, little bit crazy. Because what happens is when these guys sit up here and they got to feed? And they don't have a cult around them because sometimes you don't have one. And they're going to get hungry. And the mailman comes by. Or whatever happens, wherever they're at. And then they got to go out in the town. A lot of times these are elders. Just saying. Yep. That's the Aramites. The poor burden of a sheriff is what that is. It's, uh, hey, you doing good, Nick, up there in the pillar still? Why is there a lot of blood and we got 11 bodies somewhere scattered throughout town and Nick burps? I don't know. But uh, things are going okay. I'm figuring it out. So I'm still a long way away, but I'll get there. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, the Hunters of the Golden Cicada. It's basically servant leadership to achieve Golconda. I, I hate to say it um, in, that, in such <laughs> a fashion, but it really is. Um, it's it, this, this could be cool for... I think a lot of players would prefer to have something like this, if I'm right. It is a group around the concept that if I take care of the mortals around me and they're really cool to them, they'll help me through that good feeling of uh, whatever you want to call it, charity, I guess, of helping them out and do better and do well in life. 
that that'll reflect yeah. on me. And the good feelings I get will help me. Boom, suspire and I'm in Golconda. I'll just achieve a harmony with it. Just keep doing good stuff. And, uh... You know what that does, though? Like, I felt a little bit... I thought this was one of those things where it made me pause because, obviously, this cult based around Ventro and, like, this whole, like, all right, take care of this, you take care of the mortal, up to and including if it means killing his enemy so that he knows, right? And, and it creates, like, like, this position. All happens in China. So, are we saying that Kindred of the East are no longer a thing? Well, not in we China. Saying... Actually, in the home of the Bone Court. Yep. Um, so... What, what I'll say to that, DJ, is wrong can of worms, but right pod to start that on. <laughs> right? Um, they haven't announced one way or another about Kindred of Nowhere, whether it's Africa or the East or anywhere. Yep. If that's going to make any sort of difference. But Kindred of the East was on another jacked up power level. And if we're clipping elders left and right, we can assume that Kindred of the East, if it's going to be a thing, it's going to be in a... You're, you're going to see it in a Sabbat... You're going to have another Sabbat Black Hand in your hands. <laughs> Antagonist yeah. only. And then a fan's yep, going to yep, go, yep. no, we can play them. And then someone in the company's going to go rogue and go, here's the real Sabbat book where now you can be the player. Harump, Storyteller's Vault's good. And uh, that's uh, that's that's kind of how that stuff happens, right? Um, and that's uh, it's okay. Everybody's a right to do it. I'm not poo-pooing on any of that, but other than to go, but that's how that happens. You're saying, well, where am I? I'll make the Kindred of the East book. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> right? Knock yourself out. I mean, that's that's where the uh, the V5 uh, supplement came from, right? Suddenly we have Zemis and Salubri and, and whatever else there was in there, just out of the blue. It, it came from the question of, where is my such and such? Yeah, where is my favorite? And, and that's going to yep. happen, right? You'll see it. Um, so, to speed it along, because I did say I'd do this. Mm-hmm. Honorable mentions in a short short, and this is on purpose. When it comes to Hikata, I like leaving them alone. This is because, <laughs> well, because V5 made the Hikata, you should read their evolution. And if you're fans of it, the Whispers of the Dead, that's where you want to start reading when you get this. It's super good. So good, we're not going to spoil it. We're just going to tell you that's a gold star entry. You definitely need to check it out, especially if you like, we'll give you a word or a word for thought, the Capuchin. Just check it out. Um, the Third Day is another Gehenna cult. This right here bears mention, and we have to mention it, because it's a V5 staple, because I said, what is the beckoning all about? Mm-hmm. What is that deal? And so to that end, uh, Nick, what is the third day? What do they say it is? Uh, these guys, they almost treat it kind of like it's a, like it's a plague. Um, but really what they're doing is they're capitalizing on the beckoning, almost like these are the people who missed the beckoning, and they, they feel like they're left out, right? They got the, the big FOMO. And, you know, so like elders that are getting the beckoning, they're just like, come over by us. We've got a cure. Hey, do they really have a cure? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Maybe they just stake you and study you and try and figure out what the beckoning really is. But who knows? At least somebody's working on it. Somebody's out there trying to answer these questions. Now, what I'll tell you is about them, they do study the beckoning. They do have an interesting theory of what it could and could not be. But it does require elders come find them to answer that call. What do we fear about snake oil salesmen the worst of all? They got that cure-all, right? Buy my cure-all. Buy one for the family. No matter what ails you, take my cure-all. It cures everything. For the low, low price of whatever's on you. Whatever in your pocket. Whatever you can give me now. I'm only in town for one night, one night only. Go and get everything you need and give it to me and I'll take care of everything. Do I know what ails you? Don't need to. It's a cure-all. That's what I feel the third day is. 
when it comes to the beckoning. <laughs> Whatever you want to tell them the beckoning is, perhaps you're right. They'll have a good conversation with you. But it's interesting that they do this from a specific city. And it's interesting that specific city was recently taken over by an Anarch Revolution. And it's interesting that Anarch Revolution is hidden because they still pretend to be Camarilla there. Allowing people to stop in. Hmm. So elders of the Camarilla check in fearing the beckoning or that they feel it and they need help with it. And the third day is going to help them, but the Anarch's like, the third day is alright with us. Didn't you just take... Hmm. We'll leave you to sort that out and figure out why that's there and what's going on. But I, uh, you know, if you're going to buy that, don't forget to email us wanting your cure-all that I will sell you for the low, low price of $500 a dose. That's right. Bob's <laughs> cure-all will take care of you. All it is is one podcast. It's great. Uh, but anyway, uh, jokes aside, <laughs> uh, that's too interesting to me. Uh, we're on to uh, the Bloodless Pilgrims. This is a weird, freaky-deaky cult that uh, I think they dug deep to think of. It uh, yep. To wet your whistle, it's a cult that does not drink blood. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm a devious person when it comes to vampire. I love the many different intrigues you can get into, and I'm a fan of that, that everybody can do it. We should contribute this. When you're playing something evil, you should dig deep. Right? Mm-hmm. Don't hold back. Think of all the cool mm-hmm. ways you could do it, because then the entitled player is just how far do they want to go to oppose it. Right? Is that part of them? Or right. accept it. That's the fun of Vampire. Where is your dark? And the Bloodless Pilgrims? <laughs> Whoever made them? I would, uh, if I wasn't married, I'm telling you, I, I would have found a soulmate. Checkmate. Because uh, I rather enjoy the <laughs> fact that the cult that does not drink blood has a massive issue uh, with it and why it's forbidden. It is... Uh, I really want to talk about... I can't. I can't. Pacing for time. What I want to talk about are two points. These are the two Brennan points. I know he can't be here for obvious reasons. I know he was pent up to talk about it, though, and I want to get to those. Also, I want to hear people's thought about it reading El Natural and the Nude when it comes to the Blood Pilgrims, the Bloodless Ones. Um, But please check them out. Uh, The Children of the Devourer, um, DJ, talk to me. Children of the Devourer, up near Saskatoon, <laughs> up in Canada, there's a small town of Ironwood in which people just don't say anything because they anticipate that life is the way that it is. And sometimes you gotta pay the monsters that be out there. But what are the monsters? Lo and behold, behind the scenes, you have a Viking <laughs> in the name of Angerboda who had settled there. Um, and in terms of her settling there, her casket is there, but she has children that surround her. The, what makes the cult is that the cult is all based off her children. It's all her children that are being born that are linked to her that know only of one thing. The end times are coming. Ragnarok is definitely real. And it's not because it's based off of anyone else except the fact that we know our founder in the form of Angraboda is there and she needs to be fed. And we gotta feed her all the time. However, alright Gangrel, which we are, obviously, we can't just bleed the town dry. So we got to keep our herd alive. So for generations, they carefully call the townsfolk for blood. And sometimes their own because they got to make sure she gets hungry sometimes. And you got to squeeze a little bit of the thin blood in there um, to keep her up and running. But they wonder whether or not she's going to wake up soon. And as the whispers go, she has one interesting bit um, that makes this different than any other Methuselah that you normally read about that's usually sleeping. All her children, especially those that are closer to her in generation could hear her whispering to them in their dreams and sometimes when they're awake so that's why it's that much more potent and that's why they believe she'll wake up soon because those dreams are becoming that much more vivid 
And if you're me, I think this is Rob Zombie's latest film uh, to attach to the House of <laughs> Thousand Corpses chain. That's that's what this is. Why? Has all the method there, right? People disappearing, a town that's real insular, resistant to people coming in from outside limits. They don't necessarily obey the law. They have their own. You have the big you have the big sheriff that walks around with six wives, untouchable, obviously living on the outskirts of it, but they all hide a terrible secret. That's that's what they do. Let's also not forget the fact that the the gang girl that are here that you were a part of if you're in this cult, this is the first cult I'd see being a great minigame where you play part of this cult because the horror is Anger Boda herself. Let me get to that. You have a cult leader that's in her direct line that is the baddest gang girl walking. This guy is savage, frightening the way they write him. It's the first character I've heard them writing about that basically will freaking hurt you and the eight coteries that come in with you. No problem. That badass... Okay, super devoted to Anger Boda and just feeding her and feeding her and feeding her. She's in a box sleeping in a cave system with her mouth open as she's in torpor with her eyes closed, right? I don't know what that is other than horrific to think about. It reminds me of uh, those uh, Texas Chainsaw families keeping the dead bodies around the table, whatever, and then some of them might be relatives, maybe not. And then they're there. Definitely has that element. Where the other half of Hills Have Eyes is this creepy town that might let tourists check in, but then pick certain tourists to go to sleep, like never to be seen again, because you piss them off when you come into shop. The town doesn't have all the updated things they should because they keep beating on people who come in to restock the shelves. I mean, this could happen and could be going on. And if there's ever a drop and they don't have enough, they go on raids to nearby towns that they can get to and back within a night's time. I don't know about you. Well, I, I did describe it. Like it's, it's important to note that they do have a woman who's with them, that tried to leave the cult six times. And finally, the cult leader said, we either feed you to anger Boda or you agree to being embraced. And she agreed to being re- embraced. And I think she was Lakota, if I remember correctly. As you would. She's, she's Native yeah. American. Sue, Sue. Yeah. Right? That's how long they've been here. And it's, like, it's, it's a frightening aspect. But then there's one hick, or one hick, when I say that, one hitch uh, that i got to put onto this. <laughs> it's the fact that they're, they're not certain that's who that is. They don't know who that is. They're going by visions and feelings. None of them are the three Gangrel that originally brought this casket over here, this, this box over here. And DJ said she's a Viking. All they know is she's from Iceland. She was in the ice. And they, yeah. felt, the, they felt the need to move her here. She was in the ice. She could be any clan. They have no idea. They're saying Methuselah. Is it? They have no idea. And remember the name Anger Boda. That's her name. Who gave her the name? And if you look mm-hmm. up the history behind Anger Boda, it's the mother of monsters. It's Loki's mother. It is, it is an unknown entity even by the standards of legend that existed back in the day. They just don't know. But that's okay. You moved her here. And why? Because the town has the same name as the place in Ironwood, which is where the story takes place in the original lore, knowing of Anger Boda itself. You begin to see, it, this to me is a death cult more than it is just a straight up get Like, you go and die. Is what this is. You're going to be right. here when she wakes up. And that's the other tip of it. Right? He got a vision and told the whole cult, Hey, everybody, wake up. I know I'm here. Big badass Viking. I want you to know, Mother sent me a message. Within a century, one human lifetime, she's going to wake up in this world going right in her maw. Rejoice. The end days are coming. Live it up. Yeah. And they describe rightly that there are a lot of gang girls that are kind of around there going, Yeah, that's awesome. She's going to wake up. That look around and whisper... Hey, did you find the fastest way out of here yet? Like when he's off hunting and doing something? 
maybe during a sacrifice, can we find something and maybe lead the second Inquisition here during the day? Kind of sort it out. under a rock, and you know what he goes to look for. We just run. <laughs> right? There's there's necessary things to do here. That's kind of what they have going on. I think that this is this is another great cult. This is another one that hits you in the head that you know why it's bad, you know why it's scary, but man, it's a fun ride uh, to even know that mm-hmm. something like this is out there. And then finally, we have the Soldiers of the Adversary, and I'm going to do this quick uh, because I want to answer those questions before we wrap up here, and we've gone a little long. Um, the Soldiers of the Adversary is your devil cult, o- over and out. It is, it is just that. It's the war of heaven and hell, and vampires serve hell, as far as they're concerned. They're supposed to be on the side of Satan, because obviously you're immortal live forever, and technically the war of the end times has already been ongoing. It's just in a decade it's going to be resolved. That's their belief. And their antics are in there, and what they do to do that is there. For me, it was a little lukewarm, right? It's great that you include something in there, but now it's directly satanic. It's, it always seems silly when it comes down to just that. I yep. look for that yep. old school, chill me a bit. Get it down. To me, it's like, you know, the, the Levian Satanists got their due. And all right, here you are. Yeah. yeah. You get a book in a pulpit, I'm assuming someone's going to, yeah, we move on. Okay, so... Um, and by the way, that's the taste. If you, if you prefer them and like them and prefer a milder version, they're here. I'm not saying you're wrong, Fred. I'm just saying for me, uh, after the Children of the Devourer, I need something a little more spicy, right? That's going to do a wet that whistle. You better tell me this is the the soldiers of of Abraxas, and we have you know we have a mission, you know something like that. I don't know. I'm a little mm-hmm. outlandish with my monsters, but that's me. Um, but to tie it back to the top. We asked some questions here that we you know, kind of touched on, but I definitely want to get to it here, guys. Um, let's start with the first one. Uh, what is the difference between Cult of the Blood Gods and Forbidden Religions to you guys? Uh, in this think... one, uh, go ahead. what I saw a lot of in here was, uh, it was a lot of these cults are NPC cults or like full coterie cults, right? Because the, the level of fanaticism and the ends to which they go just aren't going to work in uh, in most mixed games. Uh, it, you know, I mean, there's there's still ones that uh, that that can work out, but things like the the butterflies or shepherds of Urshul Ghee or you know the the children's salvation, like these, just won't won't play well with others. But they make excellent villains. I was about to also put that in there, because in Cult of the Blood Gods, we understand that the veneration of the Methuselahs has now the Camarilla season, and, and obviously the end times having come, and, you know, Ravnos having woken up at one point or another, we know that this is real, and there's a very big feeling of your, you accept it for what it is, like, you can't just debunk Christianity for what it is, right? Right, wrong, or indifferent, it's a religion, it's out there, it's something that you either turn to or not. Here, especially in terms of forbidden religions... There's a lot of bullshit being written, <laughs> but it's so good because the butterflies are a bullshit cult, right? There's a couple of yep. cults that are written with the sole intent of letting you know uh, more than it's a not, yeah, it's not a, a cult of a blood god, meaning like you're, you're definitively looking at a Methuselah. You're looking at what happens when you manipulate perception, and I adore it for the possibility, like even the children of salvation, like just to to to, to be poignant about it. So you're telling me we could become mortal if we banish the demon, but the only person that would know is the last vampire standing from the last time we all genocided and ate each other. But we could become mortal? Alright. Sure. Right? But that's that was the biggest difference. Is it spins it in such a way that it gives players fuel to act in that fashion. To create that type of BS that you want to put in there. 
I think the thing that stuck out for me, because I agree with both of you, is the Diablery was a recurring theme that came into a lot of yes. this, it, it, but in different ways. Diablery is Diablery, but it's the belief behind why the Diablery makes sense. Not just mm-hmm. the Shepherds of Urshulgi, not just because we think we can banish a demon if we eat enough people in some genocidal fashion, not because we're, we serve the Nictaku and devouring is kind of what we do. Um, it's there, There's a lot of ways that they see it. You know, To me, the Nictaku guys do it out of fear. Right, to get mm-hmm. stronger. You know, the, the Shepherds of Urshulgi legitimately believe that reclaiming the blood and bringing it back to the heart's blood means something and some religious veneration to a, to a blood god. That's just kind of how it goes. But I, I agree that why they're forbidden is pretty obvious. And also, the difference between those two books. One's a group of acceptable cults that can get along to get along. Pretty much can exist within reason. Uh, these yep. are pretty much no. Uh, very, very fine line on how to do that. Um, but... Why these cults are considered forbidden, I feel we answered that. We're just going to skip right back, right past it. There's a lot of them that we stuck out and mentioned that. Uh, but why are there so many cults in V5 to you guys? I think it's. I think a lot of this is fan service. Now, I'm not saying that is a bad thing either. Because um, when we do look at you know the Shepherds of Urshulgi and the in the Presidium, uh, we're looking at you know things that. Uh, that maybe older fans of the of the genre recognize and are comfortable with and really like to see come back into v5 uh you know each of these cults is a way to make a subsect of a subsect where those ideas can come into play and it's already in a place where a storyteller and a player can look at it and uh, and be comfortable in the material i to to layer on that, the intro story for this was actually pretty good because it uses the vehicle of the Camarilla. And we've seen it before, but I think I felt it more here than I did in, in previous books to say that in the past, the way that we looked at the game was we have these huge sect wars between each other, and that was our identity, what sect we belong to. And I think nowadays the focus on the character and what it is that you believe in grows stronger. But it's funny because... Much in the same way that us three are having this podcast is because we have like minds, so we could speak about it. And I might have been a voice in the dark before I met Bob, and now I found out Bob thinks the same way I do regarding a game, and we share the same passion. And all those small drops become water in a bucket. And then that's when the cults start to become stronger. So the Camarilla in V5 ends up, or, you know, sex, whether it's Anar, Camarilla, minus the Sabbat, but those two main ones are just vehicles for all of you going, hey, Bob, did you hear what happened today at work? Yeah, man, fucking, this person did X, Y, and Z, right? But that's that's how it feels. It feels like you start getting <clears throat> together like-minded individuals of a specific type of way of life that comes into effect. And I think that's why there's more cults now than there ever have been in the previous versions of the game. I think the cults here that you have is, uh, just uh, just extend through that, is you got to look at it from the, the in-game vector as well. I mean, the out-of-game is great, but the in-game vector is what makes makes sense. And the fact is, is that you went from a big scare that the world was coming to an end, but it didn't. And you had things happen mm-hmm. on the side. When the big bad Camarilla was there and was relied upon, it was like the mommy and daddy of the vampire world. They ruled over everything they had, and there were no antediluvians. The Methuselahs you didn't have to wor- worry about. But one did wake up and did wreak havoc. And it turns out that Methuselah wasn't the only thing because then an antediluvian did wake up. Something happened. They didn't exactly do away with that. In fact... It, it happened, and they moved on, is what happened. But they're treating it as the world would understand it. If you weren't there, what do you think happened? And it becomes a rumor. That rumor is enough to put cracks in both organizations, for the Camarilla and the Sabbat at that time. And so you start seeing these cults that should exist. There should be people spreading out, thinking one thing. 
they're about to get replaced. They can't stay up there forever, and that's about to come tumbling down. You just, you just wait. A big thing's happening. And so they were still in secret. You didn't really hear about them. And honestly, you had factions, is what they were called before, within clans that had their different ways of looking about it. Then the big event, Second Inquisition, comes out. We start smoking everybody. This is at the advent backdrop of the beckoning. Elders are being peeled away. People are leaving those support structures there. There's power vacuums left and right. What do we do? Well, I'll tell you what we don't do. We don't sit back and stand there waiting for someone powerful to come by and tell us what to do. Instead, now's the time for our belief system that we had in secret to take center stage. And to come up and be a little more bold. Be a little more aggressive. Like draws to like. Sure, people are going to stand up and say a prince, but is that prince really as powerful as they should be? I mean, you're replacing the prince that was once there of Chicago. Are you really that powerful, KJ? I think we know the truth that Loden was so many ago, you were modern, you're, you're, you're not as powerful as well to say, I am the leader of the Presidium. And I think you know that, but you might now need us to help support that martial arm. And so this cult comes in, we tell you to keep it secret, it's how we prefer it, but you have our backing if you do so. One catch. The Bano Akim, those are deputies, get rid of them off the council. Or however this game gets played now. In other words, they can now make power plays. They're coming in because they need to replace the power that was lost. And that's what they're coming in as many multitudinous options as there is. But here's the thing. Chaos. Chaos is what you're getting. I would like you to consider the fact that the book of Nod is real big on one thing. Pointing out what happens when a lot of vampires come to piling into one city. You with me? We had a village. That village becomes a city. Now it's this big city. And we made it an all-vampire worship city. Well, down comes the deluge that gets rid of everything. We reset the world. Now we're in secret. We've learned our lesson. Cain gets lonely, you know, does it again. And only this time, leaves the city. Big bad children get made, and we know that story. Rinse and repeat. But there's this wash again of what happens. And now it's not so biblical. Now look at it in a different light. Instead of a city that they knew back in the day, now it's actual cities, plural. Mortal populace is swollen to an all-time high. This is what happens. You can't tell how many vampires are actually out there. We have no idea. But this chaotic element is there. And I feel that they're going to be awash in their own blood at their own hands, chasing after their own ghosts, and worse. And this beckoning is going to be some plot mechanic for sure. Obviously, it's there. But to what end and to what elder and what is it? And we have no idea. And that's actually a good thing because it allows a lot more stories to be seeded out. And we're living through these end times, which I think was the mistake before. When saying we're coming to an end, here's Requiem. It's terrible. Because there's a lot of lot of stuff on the floor. People weren't done with the material, and that's evident with what the success it's had recently. But now what they're saying is, well, great. We could still have our cake and eat it, too. Here's the seated cults as if you're living through the end times. Think of it like Mad Max, the masquerade version. Right, this is Fury Road, and these are all the crazy cults that you could run into that are out there in addition to the people who allegedly are in charge calling themselves a sect. And it's like, you're just a big mm-hmm. cult with more numbers. That are making more sense. And by the way, outside of your city limits, you are not the one in charge. I hate to break it to you. And that's kind of the cool thing about this cult vision. At least I enjoy that very much. And um, finally, does the Demonic Infernal Occult still have a place in V5? It should. I mean, I, I haven't seen them go anywhere in in Infernalism yet. Um not in not in any detail, not in anything like we're we're used to seeing. I mean, Diablo seems to be about as worse as you can get, um, so far in V5. But I would really like to see them push further. The Shattered Spear said that they hunt Infernalness. 
I hope that's just cracking the door that can be pushed wider later on when they really start to bring out what is the depths of infernalism. Because something tells me deep down inside that that bell hasn't been rung for the last time, especially if you're a demon. And now it's prime <laughs> time to be ringing it. <laughs> I uh, I agree. I think I'll say that um, notice how they labeled infernalist originally in the spear, right? They say they fought the darkness. And I think what they're doing is ramping up. So right now, I think, um, considering that we have a lot of new players in V5 coming into the game, let's start off with Diablerist, and then we'll work into darker things. Because we have to work, you have to get used to the setting, and dumping all of it is going to be too much for some folk, I think. So I think it'll come at one point. Uh, when it comes, we'll be ready for it. I'm going to respect the authors that we've seen so far, and that they're not going for outlandish, smash you in the face, demonic, whatever. And that maybe, just maybe, a hope. You won't see them. Because you shouldn't. The fact that you mm -hmm. see demons in print already devalues the product, in my opinion. It's about vampires. It's a focus. You should stay vampires. It's V5. What should be worse in a vampire's eyes? And before you say, duh, demon, no, that's the excuse you give yourself to justify why you were never going to be as bad. You ate a whole orphanage, but don't worry, demons are real. Doesn't matter if you support the Nazi regime and, you know, the Reich didn't die with you and you can bring him back in any number of atrocities and you're just working, you know, just, just getting one more Jewish person in the dark at a time and don't worry, you'll complete it because that's what you're doing in your campaign. But don't worry, it's justifiable. Demons. Right? It doesn't matter. Whatever bad thing you're doing, if you know that there is a hell that you could say is in a game or near a game or part of a game, you could have it. To me, it just wasn't as used before. And that was the problem. Even back in the day in Dark Ages when they had a whole entire book about the Infernal and what happened there and what have you, storytellers were reluctant to use it. You don't want to bring that stuff in too much or players would get pissed off. It's a soft to taste. Why do I want to deal with something that's immune to flame? You know, or has some weird occult reference that if I even know the knowledge, I can get killed for knowing it. It's like, don't, why'd you put something there that I can't use and even to know about it puts me in danger? Now we're going to run into it. Now we're screwed to use it. Even worse if we know about it. But if I bring it up to any city anywhere, especially in live action, especially in the modern, nobody believes me, nor do they care about the plot. Because the moment a player knows that we've jumped shark and we went from vampires to that now, oh, now there's angels and demons. That's what you're not understanding. If there are demons, there must be angels. And, and that's the part that gets me. That's the dangerous level. How do we do that then? How do we, how do we roll into it? And I think you got smart talent in writing right now to understand subtlety is everything. And when it comes to demons in and of itself, they, they can hunt the Diablos all they want to. They have a hard time capturing Bali uh, when they're around. And those guys allegedly deal with demons directly, and we've never even heard that confirmed in that regard. They say they did, and they said they had worse, but I always liked the way they were written, and they were doing these profane uh, rites and acts to keep those who must be kept away, which is the craziness they had, to down out uh, carnal pits, charnel pits, whatever, of, of death and destruction that they themselves were creating. When really, what if they weren't, does nothing but confirming their blood sorcery style that they had. I want to remind people that I believe it was the Canaanites were um, accused of being dark and evil things back in the day. Because they had, a, they had a plague released in their town. They were throwing their dead in pits of fire. And it was the, uh, the tribe of, uh, of Jewish faith that came along and saw what they were doing and felt uh, for these people. And decided to come in and wipe them out. Because they didn't understand what was going on. And that happened. That led to a lot of the rumor and hype and circumstance around it. But then, what if the Bali are just an extension of those people that didn't fully get killed? 
100% and the story's all wrong. There's still room and leeway to misdirect this story in a lot of ways for that to come out when it does, and I'm waiting for that, um, if we ever see it. But I feel the same way about demons, too. If you're going to see them at all, bring on the cursed text. Bring on the, the fact that someone read something they shouldn't have. Get a little more chitonic, a little more miskatonic about what goes on when it comes to demons and that approach. And, and breach that in to where it's doable. Like, I think the greatest mistake of Clan Tremere was to make the Horned uh, group in Clan Tremere, that group that studied in Infernal, and then make it to where they all burned out and were dead before you flushed out what they were and what they were about. Because I think that fits that mold of people want to pursue all those dark and bad documentation to bring them in. Or maybe the, pres the Presidium's enough for it. To say that we're going to get it, remove it off the table so nobody can risk it. All in all, I think that uh, both of what you, what you both said is valid. I think there are cracks and doors and open up with it. And my discussion point is that I had hope this reaches the right people to say, and I hope you feel the same. I don't want demons to override the very evil that players can represent and should represent in their vampire game because then that gives them an excuse to look at it as just you have superpowers battling the dark when you're supposed to be the dark itself that is trying by your choice to walk into the light and be a bit better or you're embracing it wholly to be the monster you were meant to be as you intended. My, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying bring back the sleepers or, or anything on that level at, at all. That's uh, but like like you're talking about, I'd like to see demonic rituals in play. I'd like to see like when they embrace the darkness, I'd like to see them embrace it, right? Uh, but I yeah, we don't have to get to going like the, the full wonk. I guess is the best way of putting it. <laughs> that's that's a good way of doing it too. But as I said, that's a wrap up. I know it's a it's a book. It's only like 88 pages, but obviously we went deep on it. You can too. Let us know what you think. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, DJ and Nick, thank you as always. I think this is a great book to go over, guys. It was great. It was really fun to speak about yep, this. Yep. Thanks, everybody, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to our 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you like what you heard and want to support us, please share it with others or leave a review. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.